This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the season finale of the GPL podcast. Um, the season's over, boys. Kind of saw it coming, kind of didn't see it coming, but let me tell you, uh, Viggs, um, I think this weekend was kind of a microcosm of the entire season. You know, inconsistent, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, we saw it, we saw it both nights. Um, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I thought I thought they played a very patient game uh, to open the Big Ten tournament. I thought you know they didn't obviously have their A game right from the start. They probably had the jitters. Um, I think Ohio State had better legs right away, um, but you know they were able to persevere and, and and have a great third period and win that one. And then the Michigan game, uh, you know that penalty kill has just let them down the last five six weeks of the season. And uh, they took some bad penalties. I don't think they, they were taking away scoring chances with their penalties. And uh, they just couldn't stop them. So uh, kind of a frustrating way to, to end the season. But, uh, you know, this team ha- had that fine line all year. They weren't talented enough to outscore their mistakes. And they made too many on Saturday. Initial thoughts, Hammy, on this past weekend? Well, I mean, it's kind of like what you touched on that uh... – it's kind of a microcosm of the entire season. I mean, there just wasn't that consistency throughout the year. I mean, that like one game they'd look good, the next game it would be like totally the opposite or mediocre. And you know, you're not going to go very far in the postseason when it's do or die when you can't put a streak of games together and good play. And um, you know, I was frustrated with Saturday. I mean, it's pretty tough when you go into the third period with a lead. Um, and you blow it, you know, you're one period away from the postseason and you screw it up, you know, I mean, Michigan might have a lot of offensive talent, but you can't be making, taking boneheaded penalties at bad times and stuff like that. And Or leaving um, Connor so wide open all alone yeah, so right I mean, in front of Shearhorn to it, make him look completely stupid. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it, overall, you know, I mean, it just, like you said, it's kind of just a, a snapshot of what the entire season was like uh, this past weekend. So it's not a huge shot, surprise. And if, I just kept thinking that the whole time. You know, when they first started the Ohio State game, it was slow. Nothing's going on. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they take over the game. Four straight goals, win the game. You're down 2 nothing to Michigan. Seems like another one of those games to get their butts kicked. Second period, boom, right back into the game and lead going into the third and then dropping off right again. So... Inconsistency was definitely the, the, what the weekend was about for Minnesota, and it cost them. Their season's over. We're all done. So from here on out, it's uh, it's nothing but speculation on next season, I'll tell you that. because, And we've got plenty of speculation to talk about. There's a lot going on in, the, in, in Minnesota's world, the Big Ten world, and we're going to get to all of that. But first, Hammy, something's actually may have just happened. Somebody, uh, some news, well, some breaking news, or I mean, not official, but uh, what's what? Do you, what is the grapevine telling you? 
Well, I'm hearing that uh, Brzezinski is going to leave. I heard that not too long ago. Um, I don't know if there's been any kind of official confirmation with the coaches and things like that, but a pretty well-placed source uh, has informed me that that's um, pretty much going to happen. So, I mean, I would, unless some real last-minute decision gets changed, uh, I'd say he's pretty much gone. So Brodzinski, sounding like he's gone. Um, I'm guessing this is not too bad with what they have coming in next year. Is it, Hammy? Uh, no, I mean, they've got, you know, Lindgren coming in. Uh, you know, I think that, to me, you know, I mean, granted, obviously, you're bringing in guys that are not as experienced and everything, but, um, you know, he's that kind of dynamic guy that can play um, you know, both defensively and offensively, so you you feel good about that. Um, oh God, it's what's what's uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh, def- yeah, Zolzdorf. He's coming in. He's a good player. You know, very solid. Um, you know, I, I I feel pretty comfortable with what they have coming in. You know, I think that they'll have some pretty good depth yet, and you know, it's going to really depend on what we're going to see from a couple of the guys that frankly haven't stepped up their first couple seasons you know especially somebody like collins uh you know glover hasn't really been anything to write home about so i mean some of those guys are really gonna have to step it up if it's gonna be an improvement you know not that brodzinski's been a shutdown defenseman by any means but uh nonetheless you still you know he's a guy that you can count on so you um so it's gonna be if if it does become official and i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen that uh I mean, it's it's a loss, but I mean, I wouldn't call it devastating by any means. Well, it looks like besides uh, obviously Brodzinski, uh, obviously earlier this week, uh, Hudson Fashing signed with Buffalo Vegas. Yeah, Hudson's an interesting case because when he came to the university, he was wanted to be on a three-year plan so he could graduate in three years and be done with school, and he's on track to do that from uh, Carlson School of Management. He'll graduate in May, and, and he is ready, I think, for the NHL. Uh, last year, he played a lot of the second half hurt uh, with the shoulder injury, and this year he's been healthy. And uh, I looked at the highlight video uh, Gopher Sports put together for Buffalo, and you know there's a lot of big goals that he scored around the crease, and uh, I think he's going to be able to continue to do that at the next level. Hammy, thoughts on Mr. Fashing taking off? Well, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think we all kind of been talking about it all year. I mean, I think, you know, you you kind of had hoped that, you know, he is very close to his family, and you always kind of hope that maybe that will push things through the full four years. But, I mean, you can't blame him. He had a great year, and mm-hmm. he's obviously developed in his time. And, you know, he certainly looks like he's ready to take the next step, and it's not like he's going to an NHL team that's stacked, you know, so he'll have opportunity um, so you, you really can't blame him, and he's a great kid, and um, you know he's done what he can do from you know both educationally and and, and I think from a hockey standpoint in college. So you, you you just tip your hat to the kid and say good luck at the next level. And I think that's kind of the key. I mean, if he's fish, finishing up his education in three years, more power to him because you know he must have been busting his ass to get that far ahead and to get done in three years and still be a participant on the hockey team. So. If he's getting his education, getting his degree, I think it's time for him to go. There was no reason for him to stay another year. Well, I'd agree. I mean, there. I, I mean, 
you know, you get the education done. I mean, he's played very well this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that he could still continue to work on his game and get better in college. But I mean, it's when you can get a paycheck and you have a good chance at making a an NHL team. I mean, you can't, you really can't blame a guy for that. So, and um, I just wish him luck. And he's been a good representative of the school. But and he's getting a good deal from Buffalo. You know, he's okay. going to burn the year of his entry level contract and get to play with Eichel the rest of the year. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with all. And, and you, you, then you think of someone like a, a Connor Riley, who's also going to graduate this season. It sounds like he's going to come back for his quote unquote senior year. And then uh, it looks like just keep his, his studies going into a graduate type of work. Isn't that true, Viggs? Yep, Connor Riley said he'll be back. Um, one other player that uh, could be back or might not be is uh, Nick Sealer. Um, he's scheduled to graduate this summer, um, so it's undecided whether he'll be back or not. I know he met with uh, Don Lachie yesterday and was meeting with the Wild today. Hammy, any other um, any other people coming or going? I um, there's a lot of speculation on different players. Um, I don't want to say too much because I promise, but uh, <laughs> there's one player that's been thrown around that, um, you know, that uh, people are concerned about, and I have been told that uh, he'll be back. So I don't want to go into too much details on it because I don't want to tick anybody off, but uh, let's just say <laughs> it's good news. Well, they, I mean, that's good then. We won't pry any further. Right. Well, guys, obviously a bad weekend, a bad end of the season. Uh What's your overall feeling on the entire season here, Javiggs? Well, I think looking back, you know, this was a different situation for Minnesota than we're used to. Um, they had so many new guys coming in the lineup. Um, the question mark and goal, which turned out not to be a question mark at all and became a strength. Um, and so many new guys coming on special teams. I think the power play by the end of the year kind of got going, but the penalty kill was just inconsistent um, all year. It was very much up and down. Uh, throughout the season and uh, I think it was a growth year for a lot of the guys in the junior class but you know this is a team that that wasn't ready from the get-go and this the inconsistent play cost them thoughts on the season there hammy well I mean for me the uh, you know the frustrating thing was defensively I expected them to be a little bit more solid I mean we're lucky that Shearhorn came in and played as well as he did for a first-year guy um Otherwise, it could have been even worse. I mean, so to me, the defensive part, um, which pains me to say because everybody knows I'm a big Gensel fan, but um, and I was actually know, about to you, ask you that. I mean, is that a bad reflection on him? No, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can. Uh, what's the coach going to do? I mean, he can coach them to the high heavens, but if they're going to make a boneheaded decision with the puck, I mean, are you really going to blame a, a coach for that? I mean, yeah, they recruit the talent, and so you kind of have to. You know, if some guys aren't panning out or whatever, I mean, you kind of have to give them a little bit of the blame in that sense. But at the same time, when you see mistakes on the ice, I mean, the coach can harp on those kinds of things time and time again, and it's not going to matter. I mean, I, and let's be honest, it's not like Gensel lost his ability to be a, a good defensive coach, you know, overnight or something. I mean, he's a good coach. Um, so he, I think ultimately we have to look at the players, but. Um, you know, certainly coaches are paid the money, and you kind of they can't shirk responsibility. So you have to dole out a little bit of the blame to the, you know the coaching. So it and is maybe, what it is. Maybe the recruiting as well. I mean, obviously somebody like a Collins and a Glover were kind of highly touted, and we haven't seen that from either of them yet. 
Well, I mean, I think with Collins, that was one of those deals where you see a guy with size and, you know, he played at the national program and you're like, okay, you know, maybe you take a gamble on it. You know, personally, I've never been a huge fan of those big trees in, in college hockey. I mean, maybe that works uh, in the NHL, but um, from a college perspective, uh, just, you know, the Finleys of the world and those guys that are like 6'6", six, six and, you know, and especially when you're playing against you know, speedier, smaller guys, and, you know, on an Olympic ice sheet especially, I mean, it just, I don't know. I'm always a little bit of a skeptic in that. I'd rather have a guy out there. I mean, granted, it's nice to have a guy with reach and that can maybe, you know, lean on guys and around the in the corners and in the front of the net, but um, I don't know. I've just not, a, I've never been a big fan of having some of those big guys like that. Well, I do think it was, part of it was, it wasn't like they missed on defensive recruits for these classes that went to other schools, you know, Minnesota was probably just a little thin for recruiting um, prospects to, to pick from. Well, and they didn't play. I mean, they didn't play Sadik, you know, enough to me. I mean, and, granted, and he might not start him right ask. away. I mean, I was kind of surprised we didn't see Sadik uh, Saturday night with you know the the type of skill and the type right. of speed that Michigan brings. I thought we would see him back there instead of Collins, who's obviously. A little more immobile, I should say. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's always hard to say. We're not the ones that are in practice. and Yeah. I, I mean, I don't see these guys every day to really judge, but I just know that what I saw in games, I would have been a lot more confident, um, you know, with him out there than a few of the other guys just because, you know, I think he makes smarter decisions and, you know, he's not perfect and he's got growth to go, but um, I just felt a little more confident in, in what he could bring to the table. I do think Ryan Collins had a had a pretty good end of the season. Okay, you know, he had a really rough stretch after he got cut from the World Junior team. Um, I think it was a lot of mental mistakes that he was making, you know, glaring mental mistakes. And I thought he rallied, and the last couple of games he played were actually pretty solid. You know, he wasn't putting himself in bad positions. He was using his size as a strength and not chasing pucks and getting out of position like he was earlier in the year. Well. Got a few questions coming in via Twitter tonight. Looks like uh, little Patrick Sullivan, Gray Eagles little kid, wants to know how much of a jump does Novak make next year? Yeah, it's a young eagle, right? It is young eagle, yes. Yes. I call him Gray Eagles uh, little kid. Or we used to call him the rat when he played hockey with us back in, <clears throat> when he was a little kid. <laughs> um, but Novak, what do you think, Hammy? He, he needs to make a jump. Well, I mean, I think he had a pretty good year. I mean, 27 points, and, I mean, he had a little bit of that stretch after he got knocked out of the Wisconsin mm-hmm. game where he was, you know, probably a little sluggish, you know. But I thought he had a pretty good overall year. I mean, he's a great playmaker. Um, you'd like to see him score a few more goals. I mean, not that six is necessarily terrible, but um, you'd like to see him, you know, kind of shoot the puck a little bit more. But, I mean, his forte has always been to, you know, be a kind of a pass-first guy, and, um, you know, but I expect him to to really have another good year next year, probably in the, you know, hopefully the mid thirty to forty range. I mean, he's going to probably get a little more playing time, I would imagine, on, and uh, you know, some of the other guys that maybe are a little bit more, you know, some of the goal scoring type of guys. That, um, so I mean, I just I feel pretty good about everything, uh, you know, with his progress, and um, hopefully with another season of working out with the weights and everything, he'll be come a little bit more rugged as well. Any thoughts on Novak there, Viggs? I feel like of all the players in Minnesota's group who play forward, he probably has the most work to do in the weight room. Um, 
He's just a slight guy right now, and I think he'll really benefit from another year in Cal Dietz's program. Um, I, I talked to Cal a little bit last week, and he said the biggest jump guys make is between that freshman and sophomore year, especially for guys who haven't really worked hard in the weight room before. You know, They can really make some huge gains if they're committed to it. And uh, I thought his puck skills were, were really good all season, and, and he was definitely a nice um, addition to the power play. He, he had great vision, made some great plays. Well, Hammy, what about Taylor Camerata? Well, what about him? I mean, <laughs> uh, obviously, I can't you know, go on. I can't go on a rampage because it's not going to really do any good. Although maybe I can give him a send off for the off season, and maybe it'll make him be pissed for the off season, and he'll work hard. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But um, you know, I mean, I mean, what we, can he you was say? Supposed to be, he was supposed to be a big scorer, and it just not never happened. Well, I mean, I'll go back to the whole Spihar thing I said a long time ago. I mean, people rip on him, you know, and he had actually a pretty solid college career. And um, Cammy came in with some pretty high expectations, even if they weren't necessarily realistic because, you know, he was going to have to play more, a little bit more of a two-way game on the college level. But nonetheless, you still expect a guy like that to produce a little bit more offensively. And, um, you know, 19 points for a guy that's, getting a pretty high scholarship amount, that's just not going to cut it. You know, he really needs to come back. And um, if he's in a, if he's in a comeback, I mean, maybe he's going to be frustrated and, you know, you never know with guys like that, that if they might just suddenly, you know, decide to leave. I mean, I, I would be shocked if he did, but um, you never know these days, this day and age, especially considering it's not like the Islanders are the biggest gopher fans in the world. So, um, you know, so I, if, but, I mean, it's disappointing. He had a disappointing year to me. Um, you just have to do better at the 19 points with that much scholarship. Well, I, I'll point this to you, Viggs. You know, obviously, Friday night, he had a pretty big game with two goals, the game-winning goal. And uh, I was out there trying to get, get some photos of him, and he's scoring huge goals here in that game and zero emotion coming out of him. I mean, I, 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 you don't see any emotion coming out of him during the games. Or after the games, it almost just seems like he's going through the motions. I mean, is there something going on with him? Yeah, it's hard to know. You know, he's a he's an odd duck with just kind of his personality and okay. and uh, mentality for how he approaches the game and um, how to compete. You know, I think every once in a while he does get pissed off and plays better because he starts playing more aggressive. But um, that's definitely not his character. He's more of a passive guy. And I think playing with a guy like Justin Kloos really helped him um, and got him going because Kloos does a lot of work, and I'm sure he's on the bench getting Camerata going and uh, you know trying to get him more involved in the game and more engaged with physical battles, you know, to win pucks with his stick and quickness because um, he's not a, a tremendous skater. Um, he's not going to you know get in the rush and get in transition and make things happen. You know, he's got to, you know, pick his spots. And so playing with Clues was a big help for that, I think. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see. Um, yeah, I mean, that's you're right about the emotion. To me, that's always been the strangest thing about him is, you know, he's one of the few players that I've ever seen that scores a goal, and, and it's like it's almost like you, you ran over his dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you would think, like, he just did something horrible. I mean, there's, like, just this really kind of emotionless, you know, response to it. Like, you know, I don't know if it's the whole Barry Sanders, you know, you know, act like you've been there before when you score a touchdown. I, you know, I don't know. 
But to me, in hockey, you know, no matter what level you're at, everybody is excited and pumped up, you know, especially when you're the goal scorer. And to if to see a guy that does that and just really shows so little emotion, it's like you just start to wonder, does this guy really have a passion for the game? Does he really have a desire to be, to be great? And I don't know. It's hard to say that, you, you know, maybe you can't read too much into it based on celebrations and whatever, but you would think you'd be really thrilled and excited, you know, when you show success on the ice. Well, I know I was frustrated with him because I was trying to get a good celebration photo of him and he gave me nothing after those two goals uh, Friday night. So on a personal side, I was just pissed at him. (laughs) Give me something, Taylor, a smile, uh, you know, a pumping of fists, anything. Because, you know, I hate to tell you, we noticed this. You know, as a photographer, I noticed it. And obviously, you guys notice it too. It's just, uh, it's it is kind of worrisome that we're not seeing that, uh, that that raw emotion that pretty much all hockey players have. I mean, even though the silent type guys, I mean, you look at somebody who Rao, who off the ice was very quiet, very subdued, but on the ice, completely different. We just see nothing from Camerata. No. It's strange. It's strange to me. I mean, I I don't get it, but uh, it is what it is. Any thoughts on any of the other players at the end of the season? Obviously, we, we you know, I, I saw, I don't know if it was Buchgras tweeted, you know, how many points a lot of these senior-led teams had. Um, maybe St. Cloud had over 200 points in the senior years or what, whatever it may have been. And then I looked at it, and Minnesota had one point from their seniors this year. So, obviously, they're going to be bringing back quite a bit. At least we hope they do. Um I don't recall any years where we've had seniors be a complete non-factor on a team. Well, let's let's be honest. It's not like we had a huge senior class. Well, th- I mean, to we, start there, with. I, I mean, mean, Riley was there. Um, uh, who else was there? Uh, it's Michelson and Riley, basically. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what I mean, it's, it's at least if you're going to call them official seniors, I mean, I suppose you could. Because he's been around an, an extra year because of his injury, I mean, I suppose um, you could take uh, Connor Riley as well. But I mean, he's you know, nonetheless, he's still considered a junior. But I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, it's you didn't expect much out of Michelson, and nobody really thought that Ryan Riley was going to be, you know, pumping in the points. So well, back in the day, though, is, we thought Michelson was going to be a stud. This is kind of a uh, you know. Yeah, he has he, stone he, hands. He, he peaked in high school, and that was it. Well, well I think his, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you know, Michelson's biggest thing is he's just a straight line player. You know, he's not real good side to side. He's not real agile. He's just kind of he's like that bubble hockey winger that just goes up and down on the rail. <laughs> and uh, you know, he he worked hard at the fourth line goal, but the fourth line scoring production really hurt this team. You know, they they couldn't get much done. I think. Uh, Romanco probably was the most dangerous of guys on that line, and he didn't get a goal. Yeah, I, I like Romanco's effort, but like you said, no goals. Um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, we saw Ryan Riley out there. What was it Saturday night? Uh, he was skating for somebody. Was it? Was it for Michaelson? Yeah, um, Gates picked up Gates, or, uh, Ramsey right. picked up an injury during practice this last week, and <clears throat> that's what they went with there. So. But, you know, Ramsey, Romanco, none of those, I mean, 
some of the, obviously they're freshmen, but uh, uh, Michelson, boy, nothing. I mean, well, we all know that when the Gophers have their best teams, I mean, they usually have a, a fourth line that will pitch in. You know, I mean, they're not going to be doing it every game, but they'll they're dangerous enough that they'll pitch in and you know get you maybe a goal or or so in a weekend. And you know, we just didn't have that this year. I mean, the depth just wasn't there. Um, you know, it's disappointing that third line wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. I mean, we had two lines that I felt like you know you could you could count on to some degree and feel pretty good about. But after that, you know, there was that big drop off and, you know, we talked about Cammy. We, you know, we've talked about some of those guys. They just didn't really step it up the way that you expected. Yeah. I think once they split up clues, fashion and Bristed on the three lines, you know, that kind of hurt, you know, the top six by trying to balance things out. Um, I thought Bristed and Letary had some nice chemistry during the season. And, and I think she, he did a great job on the first line, but, they just didn't have enough depth or competition for, for spots in the lineup. So how does that change for next year? Obviously, uh, Lucia talked on his uh, weekly show uh, this week that he, he didn't talk about any forwards, only the two defensemen are for sure coming in. So uh, who's coming in, Hammy? Do we know? Well, I mean, I think some of that is still kind of to be determined. I mean, I know that um, people were talking um, about Pitlick, and yeah, from what I've heard, that that's something that's still being kind of um, thought about. I mean, I think that they want to make sure that uh, you know he's coming in at the right time, and I so I think that there's still something to be thought about with that. Um, we've always talked about Middlestead and whether he was going to accelerate, and I think that he kind of got a late start on that. Um, so we might not know that for sure until kind of maybe even summer. I mean, I don't think that we'll know that for sure by the end of the school year maybe i'm wrong because that's not like i'm looking at his academics but um you know i think that he's got a lot of work to do and i think he's ready um it's a question of would you rather bring him in one year early and get possibly three years out of him or would you rather have him go back or play juniors or whatever and maybe only get two years out of him i mean it you know it's real because he's going to leave he's going to be a high trip pick and he's not going to be a long-time guy in college hockey so you better get the most that you can get out of him. And if he can produce next year, why not? Hearing from Nate Wells, Gopher State, saying, you know, we, f- we forgot about Brady Shea, and obviously Wilcox would have been part of this senior class. Christian Horn, Coyne, uh, obviously Shea and uh, Riley were the big guys. Wilcox, obviously a big contributor leaving early. But obviously when you get those those, those big guys leaving – and leaving the the crap, I would say, uh, they just didn't contribute at all this year. So, well, I'm, I'm what I'm going to imagine he's talking about just from a senior class perspective. Yes. I mean, you know, coach, the coaches are pretty much, you know, I mean, they knew that guy, like Riley, was going to be gone. They knew that Shea was going to be gone. I mean, they had plenty. They, it's not like it was ten years ago where you get blindsided by guys leaving and you don't really have diddly squat enough for time to kind of plan for it they've been planning for that stuff pretty well ahead of time and if there's a gap there i mean that's sort of on the coaches it looks like ryan norman he says is the only one who really contributed with any goals with two or three when he was on the fourth line but boy we need yeah yeah i mean and then we have the guy we have the guy on gpl telling us that he should be a first line guy remember (laughs) the biggest addition next year will be smithula jumping in the lineup 
Um, he's a dynamic player. He's a point of game player um, out east when when he was there, and now he'll be coming to the U. and And he looks good in practice. I mean, he looks like he's got a lot of jump. Um, he looked like he is a hard worker for winning pucks. Um, a little bit bigger than Kloos, uh, but he's going to be an effective player for them next year. Well, I was told he was he's the best player on the team. That's what I was told by somebody well informed. Um, that he that he is already the best player on the team. So if that's the case, I mean, I'm not there to judge for myself, but I mean, if that's really what that person believes, and and that person sees him pretty consistently, um, I have a tendency to believe it. You've been talking to the Don, haven't you? No, the Don is you think- your source, isn't he? Maybe fake Don Lucia. Come on now, you know he's the one coach that doesn't follow me. The assistants follow me, but <laughs> Coach Lucia, I'm, I'm not just not good enough for I Coach Lucia. Does Coach Lucia follow anyone? I don't know. He probably like I haven't even looked, but I, I he probably st- follows like one or two things. I, I still don't that. believe it's even Coach Lucia anyway. So it's probably just the SID. Is yeah, that what you're saying? I, it probably is. I just. I don't know. I, I I just don't see the Don getting on the Twitter tweeting stuff. So I I, I don't know for but sure. His, but his tweets are pretty vanilla, so it could be the Don. <laughs> are you saying Don's a little plain, a little vanilla? <laughs> he can be a little vanilla until you know the microphones are off, and then he then he throws out the zingers. Oh, you know I have heard that. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, you see these tweets from the Don, and you know they've got hashtags in them they've got uh you know link you know links to other other twitter accounts i'm like eh, i don't know about that <laughs> well maybe he tells the guy what he would like to say and then maybe. let somebody else kind of do the hard work you know like hashtagging and that's whatever. probably what it is but i i don't believe for one second that don's getting on his phone or his computer and doing it but uh who knows really who knows well guys obviously a disappointing end of the season we it, Fashing gone. Looks like Brodzinski's gone. Uh, and now we've got a lot of changes just happening in the Big Ten. And obviously just announced yesterday that Notre Dame is leaving Hockey East after next year and coming to the Big Ten. Um, obviously we had kind of speculated this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the coaches have been saying, hey, we're going to be adding teams. We're going to be adding teams. And sure enough, here it is. The Notre Dame... Uh, says uh, goodbye to Hockey East and is coming to the Big Ten. Uh, thoughts, Viggs? Notre Dame. Well, I definitely think it's a good addition for the Big Ten. Uh, Notre Dame's been a great hockey program the last decade. Um, they've got that great Compton Family Ice Arena facility. Um, their off-the-ice stuff is um, tip-top for them as well for training and mm-hmm. all the player amenities. And I think it's going to be a good fit. It's It's is making the Big Ten a little bit like the CCHA with um, Minnesota and Wisconsin, but uh, I, I do think the Big Ten needs more teams so that they can avoid these down cycles like this year when you know Ohio State's down, Michigan State's down, Wisconsin's down. You, know, you have a few more teams, and you have a chance for, for more teams being relevant every year. Thoughts on Notre Dame, Hammy? Yeah, I, I'm just, I called the shot, man. A couple <laughs> weeks ago I said, I heard that. I put that on. I actually had heard that a couple of weeks ago that that was likely to happen. Um, I think it, I think it's a good move. I mean, it's a, a brand name. I mean, it's something that will get some interest. They recruit. You know, the one thing you have to be leery of is they definitely have made inroads in Minnesota in terms of recruiting. So for them, 
um, it's important that they, you know, have a presence here. I mean, granted, they're only playing the Gophers within the state as far as conference goes, but nonetheless, it's something that, um, you know, they can use with recruits that, you know, they'll get to play at home and whatever to some degree. And, um, you know, I don't know what the logistics are going to be as far as the television stuff and whatever, but um, I just think it's a, it's a good fit. Um, they, they have good talent coming in. They have the, the facilities. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing will be as the Big Ten grows in hockey, um, you know, how is that going to impact the scheduling, you know, from a gopher perspective, you know, because we've been pretty relying pretty heavily on, um, you know, Minnesota teams for non-conference or at least local kind of in our area. And, you know, the more teams are added to the big 10, the less opportunities are going to be for non-conference. So, um, if they, that now it's for sure going to be what, I mean, that's seven teams. So that's 24 conference games. If they add another team, you know, it's 28. So, I mean, it, you're starting to kind of cut down on the opportunities for non-conference. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. What I found interesting is that uh, Deputy Commissioner of the Big Ten, Brad Traviola, I think that's how you say his name, was on with the Big Ten Network. And he was saying that TV-wise, they're going to keep their t- current TV contract. So, uh, you know, NBC Sports Network will have uh, – they they have the choice of you know when Notre Dame is at home, um, when Notre Dame goes to the Minnesota schools um, or not Minnesota but the rest of the Big Ten schools, the Big Ten Network has coverage. Another interesting thing is that uh, it doesn't sound like there's any kind of shared re- revenue or anything like that. It, it sounds like it's a you know they keep their TV revenue and you know obviously the Big Ten keeps their TV revenue. So I'm not really sure financially if they're gaining anything. Obviously they might be saving some money on travel. Um, but it was interesting to hear that uh, they're really not gaining a ton uh, from doing this. They're just kind of keeping things as they are, at least on the TV side, and, and it sounds like on, on the money side. I mean, did you hear anything about that, Viggs? Just that uh, they'll keep their TV games, so there'll be even more Big Ten hockey on TV next year, or in two years when yes. they join the conference. But I, I don't think it's really a concern um, for the Big Ten to, to not get their TV revenue from Notre Dame. Um, I think that's kind of a minimal thing. Uh, you know, Minnesota still makes you know five to seven million dollars a year, and that doesn't include the the TV revenue numbers that the school gets from the Big Ten. I can hear those hot tamales, Hammy. Are they good? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I haven't had dinner, man. Give me a break, dude. <laughs> as soon as this Tough podcast, traveling. yeah. I By know. the way, Hammy's I... in Dallas on on work travel, so. Um, That's right. Where in the world is Hammy? You are. That is true. I mean, one night you were in your car driving. Um, Obviously, you're in Dallas this week. We couldn't get you uh, when you were in Vegas. You were just too busy whooping it up. So I know, but I just (laughs) it was my first week on the new job, so I kind of had to. (laughs) I didn't want to be a douche. (laughs) Well, you know, Uh, so. You know, I was just going to remark on on the Notre Dame stuff. For me, it's just more of a, you know, it's a strategic move for the conference. I mean, they, I just think that they understand that they have to grow the conference. They have to grow the presence. I don't think it's really about the dollars in this case. For me, it's just more they're trying to grow things, uh, you know, and that's just a, Notre Dame fits. I mean, we've we've always talked about how the Big Ten in general is kind of courted 
Notre Dame for all sports. Um, and that hasn't obviously happened because of football and their independence, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of a fit in that sense. Well, I definitely think it's a fit. I mean, and you know, obviously they've got, they've built their tradition a lot these last 10 years. Um, they've had the natural rivalries with, with your Michigan, Michigan States, Ohio States, you know, we've been playing them for the last four years here. So, um, geographically, I think it's great. Um, now it's just a wait and see if they're going to add an eighth team. All the big rumor is they're going to add you know, Arizona State. Uh, personally, I'm not big on that because obviously that's that that's a three and a half hour flight to 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 there, and uh, who knows if that'll actually work? And do we want to bring in a potentially brand brand new team like Penn State? Because obviously Penn State took off real quick. Is Arizona State going to do the same? Who knows? But uh, Viggs, thoughts on the eighth team? Do you think they should hold off right now? I think they should. Well, I definitely think Arizona State is going to be way different than Penn State. You know, Penn State, they had the the money to to build a facility and do everything right. Um, Arizona State still doesn't know what they're doing. They hired their club coach to to coach them in their transition. It just doesn't seem like a good fit. the other schools that have been rumored are, are a school like UConn, which is a, another big school with big athletic program, uh, big university. You know that would be a good fit, I think. Uh, hockey wise, I don't know how travel wise that would work out. Yeah, I don't and think then Miami, would Miami Ohio, fun. would be the other one. I think Miami might work, but UConn. I mean, really? I, I just don't, uh, I, no, I, just I don't think see they've made a big commitment to their program the last couple of years. I'm sorry, they're, they're getting better. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, haven't they pissed the fans off enough? <laughs> I mean, really, you bring in a UConn, nobody is going to care about a UConn. I, they, they, they won't care about Arizona State either. And and for and most likely a Miami of Ohio, sure, they've been a decent program these last 10 years, but uh, that's not going to do much for people either. I think Notre Dame is definitely a good plus for, you know, for the, for the league and for the fans, but... Uh, all these other teams, I don't think is going to do much for the fans. Well, it's hard to know because when Minnesota plays St. Cloud and only 6,100 people come to, to the game, you know, there's issues that are bigger than just who they're playing. Yep. We're going to get to that in a little bit. So don't. Well, I mean, I think, I don't think the other thing is, I mean, this isn't really to me any, it's not really being done for attendance purposes or anything like that. To me, this is more just about, trying to grow the footprint of the, your conference and trying to add a few teams. Um, I mean, it's debate. I mean, none of the teams we've talked about excite are going to excite anybody in particular. I mean, I don't give a damn about Miami. I mean, they've obviously not really been particularly great in the, you know, after the conference changes and, um, they've, you know, kind of underachieved in some respects and I'm not interested in UConn and Arizona state. It's too early to really tell, but I mean, at the same time, you kind of do have to think about, you know, fit and some of that other stuff. And, I mean, there's obviously better hockey programs that you could ask to join the conference, but it's not really about that. I did think it was interesting coming out of the Notre Dame discussion was that they weren't asked when the Big Ten first formed to join the conference. I think a lot of people had assumed that the Big Ten had reached out to them when all that realignment was happening so the Big Ten could have eight teams, and it came out that they didn't. So I thought that was the interesting news coming out of that more than anything. Well, I think that's just because of their lack of knowledge of how college hockey works. 
I mean, I think they just said they assumed, hey, these are this is the Big Ten. We're going to be a great conference, and boy, these first three years have been a struggle and not what they expected. So, you know, you know, it sounds like uh, Traviola was saying they talked with the coaches last summer, and they said the coaches want more teams, so they went out and got Notre Dame. I think that the reason they didn't ask him in the first place is just for that. They're like, hey, we're the Big Ten. We're going to be great. We don't care what other people think. And now at least it looks like they're starting to look at these other things. See, I, don't know, that I, I don't know that I agree that that, that they just – I think it was just more a matter of, okay, let's see. Let's put the conference together. Let's see what happens. And it's kind of like when you're doing product development. I mean, you're not going to know right away – it's going to be a little bit of trial and error, you know, and, and I think that they just saw that, okay, you know, here are some of the issues that we have. We need more teams. We need to have, you know, make some of these kinds of changes because it's not going to be, you know, a 100% hit all the time, you know. And I, I, so for me, I don't think it was so much of an arrogance thing as much as let's just start, let's just get going with this and see what happens, and then we'll kind of make changes as we go. And I think that that to me is more than anything what's happened. Sorry, Biggs. Well, I was just going to say, I I don't know if the, the poor performance of the Big Ten really is caused by the Big Ten forming. It just is It's a correlation that this is happening. You know, obviously, Wisconsin's making the move by getting rid of Eves and bringing in a new coach. Um, I think Minnesota, you know, it's just this recruiting cycle, you know, didn't have the, the put-together roster at the start of the year. I don't think these things are because of the Big Ten. I, I don't think that the attendance issues at, at Mariucci are caused by the Big Ten. I think it was, you know, happened uh, with the scholarship seating um, happening at the same time. So it's just like there's all these factors that come into play, and I, I think it's wrong to just blame it all on the Big Ten. Well, right. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I think some of it's bad timing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, nobody could have ever predicted that Wisconsin was going to suck ass the way that they have. I mean, that that's nobody would have foresaw that i mean um you know i think penn state has made progress everybody kind of expected minnesota and michigan to be you know at least ncaa caliber types of teams and for the most part they have been i mean we obviously didn't get that you know this year but you know we've been good the last few years and michigan you know it's been you know maybe a little bit inconsistent but nonetheless they have obviously had a good year and so i, I just think that it, you don't blame it. It's not the conference that's making the teams not performing to the level that we expect. I mean, that that's just kind of on the teams themselves. Well, I want to get more into that in a second here, and obviously some people tweeting at me and fight on Facebook this weekend, and time for a little revenge by me. But before we do that, um, I want to, we want to hear from our sponsor who's been sponsoring us all year, Vintage Minnesota Hockey. We appreciate them doing this. And uh, hopefully we've been doing uh, a lot of good stuff for them, so they'll come back next year. But let's have a listen. Vintage Minnesota Hockey wants you to take a step back in time and keep the memories of Minnesota Hockey heritage alive forever. VintageMNHockey.com features history from around the entire state of Minnesota. One feature that I enjoy on a daily basis is the This Day in Minnesota Hockey History that is on their website. They have tons of info on what's happening on any particular day in Minnesota hockey history. 
Now, for those of you who want that brand new gold jersey that just came out this season for the Gophers, the one with the Minnesota emblem on the collar, Vintage has it for you. So make sure you visit the store and take a look at that jersey. They just made it available within the last week. You can get it customized with your number, your name, however you want. And if you use the code GPL Podcast, you can get 10% off your order. So make sure you head over to the store and head over to VintageMNHockey.com. Yes, I know the commercial's a little out of date, and they've had these jerseys for over a month now, but uh, I figured I'd just play the commercial anyway because they're great jerseys. So make sure you check them out and definitely thank uh, Vintage Minnesota Hockey for sponsoring us this year. Uh, It is greatly appreciated. Now, after the game on Saturday... A famous Gopher fan said, you know, F the, you know, season's over, F the Big Ten, as if to say it's the Big Ten's fault that Minnesota's pissed. And this kind of ticked me off a bit. Uh, I mean, I mean I, I'm just, I'm kind of like you, Hammy. I'm kind of sick of people blaming the Big Ten for all of the problems. And and, and what ticks me off even more is that this person, um, uh, well, I haven't seen him at the arena in years, yet he's bitching about the team. Um, you know what? If you, there's a lot of fans bitching about the team and they're not even showing up at the games, and they just oh, it's Big Ten, blah blah blah. Well, you know what? These kids don't care what conference they're in; they just want their fans to support them. So it kind of ticked me off. And then drunk hockey guy starts to get on this, say I'm picking on these guys. I'm just pissed because I'm getting divorced. All this bullshit. Well, fuck you guys because I don't give a shit. Uh, if you're a fan, get behind the team. Don't blame it on the conference. Uh, get to the games. Obviously, a lot of people are not showing up. We're going to talk about this. But to, to think I'm emotionally unstable because I'm getting divorced has nothing to do with this. Quit bitching about the conference. Support the team. And just shut the fuck up. Sorry. I said to get that off my back. Well, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, t- hey, look, I, I'm sick of it. I, don't I mean, re- people are bitching about it, so I went after him. I said, you know what? Show up at the games and, and support the team. We haven't seen you at the games in years. Get to the games. Bluff. I, I'm just sick of it. People bit, you know. And I, I kind of blocked the the big mistake guys because they were going off too. But you know what? Those big mistake guys, they were at least at the games all weekend. They might not like the conference, but you know what? They're still there supporting the team. And it's apparent by the the attendance at the, the at the Big Ten tournament this weekend, and the no show of showing up at Mariucci, that uh, people are pissed. Well, support the team; they need your support. You know, do you think these players like coming out the pride on ice, and there's freaking half the place is empty, or but this weekend, you know, mostly empty? Uh, I'm just sick of it. Everyone's oh, it's the Big Ten. Oh, it's the Big Ten. Shut up and support the team. Well, I mean, I think it's just kind of like it, it's old. I mean, I, I get it when it was, you know, right at the time that the decisions were going on or, you know, maybe the first year or so when people are trying to transition. But, I mean, you know, we're three years into it now. It's kind of like the people who whine about it, uh, for me, it's just like, you know, it, I think we've used the analogy before. It's like, you know, if you get, got a girl dumps you in high school, you're still going to complain about it 20 years later. I mean, it's like, get over it. You know I mean? Um, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody, if, if they don't want to spend their money on tickets and whatever, so be it. You know I mean? I'm not going to tell anybody how to spend, spend their money, but 
it just the whole whining part of it to me it's just like you know what, what what do you get joy out of it i mean does it really create any joy the ones that bug me are the ones that will would rather go watch other teams play that they have apparently have no cheering affiliation for like they would rather go do that than support the gophers because to me that what kind of a fan are you if you're like you have an opportunity to see your supposed team that you cheer for and you would rather go elsewhere to me that's like how can you really call yourself a fan of that team at the end of the day that's my opinion well for me i'm just sick of the i'm just i'm just kind of bored with it you know uh you know the fans need to get back out there. Obviously, the ticket prices aren't that great, uh, but you know what? Quit bitching about the the league and support the team. That's that's just my feeling. Any thoughts on that, Vegs? Just that people need to focus on what can they change. Obviously, the Big Ten's not going away. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that the university can do to improve things? You know, I know that they're pulling their hair out trying to figure out how to get a better atmosphere in the building. Uh, and we saw that the last two weekends when they did the $10 standing room only tickets. Uh, you know, they do want to try to fix things. Uh, I, I think they do realize that having the different TV times is an issue. You know, they want to try to figure out a way to be on Friday and Saturday night as much as they can and get a pregame and a postgame. You know, these are things that they want to try to do. But these people who make these real unrealistic demands and expect results out of it, just it's numbing to me. I don't understand it. Well, let's get into it. You just, you know, you wrote an article on GPL today talking about, you know, the actual ticket scan. It's kind of a follow-up to your article last year. Um, and, and for me, it's just mind-boggling. You know, from from what you found out, you know, the ticket sales actually went up this year on average. But obviously, the scanned tickets, the number of people actually showing up, um, incre- or decreased as well. I mean, from what your number saying... On average, you know, twenty-eight percent of the tickets are going unused on a given night. Um, so, the, I mean, obviously they're selling tons of tickets, but when you have you know twenty-five hundred to three thousand people not showing up every night, something is wrong. And figuring that out is—I I have no idea what to think. And it sounds like the U doesn't know what to do either. Yeah, it's it's amazing that people be willing to fork out $50 a game on average for tickets to see go for hockey and then not go almost a third of the time. Um, so I tried looking at the schedule to see, you know, if it was wild conflicts, cause we thought that that might be a, a, a factor and a cause mm-hmm. uh, the year before, cause it seemed to correlate uh, with the data, but that's really not there this year. There's only four games where the wild conflicted with the gophers and, you know, it wasn't a big impact on uh, the number of people showing up. Uh, the only game that was really a big impact that was surprising was the, the Sunday game with St. Cloud when they had the, the 6 o'clock Sunday game because of, I think it was a football conflict on the 28th, um, and that had the, a pretty low attendance. Uh, but it is just surprising to see that the number of tickets not used is continuing to fall. Well, I mean, I think the thing that you have to kind of ask is, is it a matter of the people who are buying the tickets, like, I don't know, I mean almost it's like if you have that kind of money that you can just piss away and not show up it's like well those aren't are those the right fans to be targeting and i mean i know that the u cares just about the money probably but it's kind of like uh you know i mean you have an average fan that buys those tickets and they're going to be using them all the time because it's like hey man i paid for these tickets i got to use them but if you have some 
you know, whether it's corporate or whatever it is, if, you know, if they just have money to piss away, I mean, obviously it's not going to matter to them as much. So it's almost like you wonder if it's almost like the ticket prices themselves in some way are, are kind of kind of edging out the people that you really want to have at the rink. And the ones that do buy the tickets are the ones that really are sort of lukewarm because it's, for one reason or another, they have other things they want to do. I, I don't know. Well, the other surprising thing was the number of season tickets has declined. Um, you know, it used to be that you know you couldn't get a season ticket. Well, last year it went from seventy four hundred down to sixty seven hundred. So they're still selling thirty three hundred, you know, tickets, single game tickets for these games, and people are still not showing up. Um, so I think that was a big issue this year. I think one of the things the university needs to look at is how to do a resale market because uh, they try to do the standing room only sale at the end of the season to try to get more people in the building and i think it worked um three of the biggest crowds were the last three games when they really were pushing that but i think making it easy for people to resell their tickets so that people can get an assigned seat when they come to the come to the rink i'm already getting chirped by drunk hockey guy oh darn oh well apparently i pissed people off i don't care Apparently, I'm emotionally, oh, it, I'm emotionally unstable. So. All right. Uh, by the way, I had it confirmed from a second source that I'm confident in that Brodzinski is gone. There so you, go. you guys, the podcast listeners, heard it first. <laughs> well, what are we to do about this thing? I mean, obviously, it, it sounds – I'm guessing there's a lot of corporations, and they buy these tickets, and um, – you know, and they, you know, they, they try to give them away, and maybe it's a, a case where, you know, uh, I don't want these tickets. This team sucks. I don't want to see Big Ten teams. Maybe that's something. But, I mean, it's not like the U's going to not accept money from corporations and all those fine seats in the middle of Mariucci. So is there anything else they could do besides maybe a, a kind of type of resale thing, Viggs? I mean, I, I think they're kind of stuck here. Well, I know that some organizations have basically revoked people's season tickets when they don't show up at the building. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's been done in the NFL with people who no-show or with people who buy tickets just to resell them, uh, scalper market. Um, and it's something I think the university has to take a look at if they want to improve the atmosphere in the building because I think that's something that um, drives attendance. You know, If it's something where it's a great place to be and a fun hockey game to watch, you know, people are going to want to show up when when. You know, there's only 6,100 people and there's a lot of empty seats. You know, it just doesn't have the attraction that that it, you know, could have. Um, Minnesota does play an attractive game. You know, they have defensemen who get up in the rush and they trade chances. And um, it's an exciting brand of hockey and they've got great recruits coming in the next couple seasons. So I don't think that should be holding them back. So obviously the, the, the attendance is down. They're not sure what to do. Um, I'm guessing the U is really not going to do anything, Viggs, until they start seeing these ticket sales go down. I mean, obviously, when you've got 3,000 no-shows, it sucks, but they're still getting their money. If they're getting, you know, actually, if they're losing two to 3,000 ticket sales in this upcoming season, I think that's when the panic mode may start for them. Well, I don't think that they're ignoring it. I think the $10 standing room tickets at the end of the season shows that they care about the atmosphere in the building. It'll be curious how they how they move forward. 
um, trying to get people in the building. And I think that that showed that they do care. I know that the, the coaching staff cares. It's something that they want to have. They want good atmosphere for their games because it's tough to recruit to an empty building. I think Wisconsin's seen that. You know, they're in a way worse shape than the University of Minnesota is. Um, I think um, Todd Molesky's uh, thing said that they uh, had almost 35% of no-shows, and their attendance is down 20% from last season. Ouch. That's that's not good. <laughs> well, they play a boring brand of hockey, so it's, it's not <laughs> a fun, fun team to watch, but Minnesota doesn't have that problem. And I think they're going to try to find ways to get people in the building consistently. We'll have to see, I guess. Well, guys, let's talk about some good news. I'm sick of all this attendance and all this other stuff. Obviously, uh, we don't talk about them much, but over the weekend, the women's team did win yet another national championship. And uh, and in doing so, they took out a team that was going for an undefeated season, Boston College, 40-0, and number one all year. Minnesota beats them 3-1, Start starts the game with 13 seconds in, they get a goal after – you know, obviously, it was just a, a literally, I think, an amazing run. I mean, four championships out of the last five years. Wow. I mean, what else can you say about that program there, Viggs? Well, I think Amanda Kessel was a big <laughs> boost to them at the end <laughs> of the think? season. This, this team was uh, something where, you know, they were having trouble scoring goals in some of these games against Wisconsin. And I think getting her back in the lineup was a big boost. Um, you know, her goal in the championship game was pretty impressive. And she's a she's a special player, so I think it was nice to get her back and and put them over the top because I don't know if they could have done it without her. Well, I I would agree with you on that. I mean, obviously, to get a world class player back for the next last few months of the season, uh, probably put them over the top. Um, and I still don't think you know she was even close to hundred uh, percent. I think if she had played the entire season. Um, they might have been even more dominant than they were. But, uh, boy, it was a big boost to them, and it was, it was great to have her come back. She wins her third title. Um, but, geez, I mean, maybe when the Don goes, can we get Brad Frost as the coach, Hammy? Nah, I wouldn't go there. I mean, I just don't <laughs> you know what I mean? First of all, I think he's got a sweet deal there. I, I think mean, he does. You know, that he's basically got the creme de la creme job for – women's college hockey and um you know you got the facilities he's got you know the the recruiting grounds i mean everything that you would want and and let's be honest you know you don't really have quite the the depth of competition the you don't have the um real kind of battles in recruit i mean you know they have recruiting battles but it's nothing like it is in men's hockey and mm-hmm. um you know so I, I, and plus you know you don't really have it's just a different you know, ball of wax for between men's and women's game in terms of who you're recruiting and what contacts you have and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's a little bit of silliness for me um, when that gets brought up. If you're going to bring somebody in, it's going to be somebody that's already um, existing within the men's game. Uh, it's not going to be somebody that you're bringing in from the outside. And, and actually, some people have speculated that uh, Mark Johnson is a, a good candidate to take over for uh, Mr. Eves. In Wisconsin, and I keep thinking, boy, uh, I think Mark Johnson's got a great gig too. Why would he want to go to the to the men's team over there? I mean, he's the highest paid coach in women's hockey. He's got the same kind of deal that Brad Frost has. I mean, 
uh, he's got a good gig. Uh, would he want to mess it up going to the men's program over there, at Wisconsin? I think it's going to be Osiki. Uh, that's what I hear. I think that's. I mean, I know that. You know, it's not like that's a surprise name, but I mean, everything that I've heard is that he's the most likely guy, um, and that's coming from people that probably know a lot more about it than I do. So, um, but I, you know, I'm sure that they'll they'll go through their due diligence, due diligence, and uh, you know, find the right guy for their program. Well, congrats to the women's team. Obviously, uh, they're a dynasty. I mean, they're just that good, and we'll see if they can continue it next year. I mean, they lose. They lose quite a few players, but obviously they just literally reload. I mean, both them and Wisconsin reload every year. Uh, uh, it's too bad that they have, you know, they've they haven't had. You know, they keep playing each other in the in the semifinal or before that, and it's clear they. I think it's clear that both Wisconsin and Minnesota are the best two teams. Boston College just, you know, they're they're not a bad team. I just didn't think they played the competition. Um, right, and, and that pretty much, you know sealed their fate you know all of a sudden they're playing a team who plays top 10 teams top five teams week in week out and boston college played one top 10 team all year obviously they defeated them quite a couple times but um they just didn't play the type of schedule that both wisconsin and minnesota played and you know to a lesser effect you know a team like bemidji and and, and north dakota also excellent teams um probably kind of getting short-skirted but not even getting into the tournament but that's another whole topic but um, obviously, Minnesota and Wisconsin are the powers in college hockey and women's hockey, um, and, and uh, what an accomplishment! Just, a, just an amazing thing. And, and I bet you they had a lot of satisfaction in preventing BC from becoming the second team to go undefeated in a season. Well, and I think you kind of touched on it. I mean, they didn't really have mm-hmm. BC didn't really have the competition. I mean, if they had been out, you know, in the West, there's no way that they'd have been undefeated. You know, playing Minnesota and Wisconsin several times, that just never would have happened. So it's just not the depth of competition out east that it is in the west. Yeah, that's just how it is. I think you I think you look at some of the Team USA uh, world championship teams and you see two-thirds of the roster is from Minnesota. And that just speaks to the, the depth of Minnesota hockey and developing these players. And Brad Frost gets the pick of that team as well. And you know, I saw the replay of that that effort by Potomac on on Friday night to defeat Wisconsin. Uh, boy, I wish we'd see that kind of effort out of some of the Gopher players or even some of the the Wild players at times. I mean, she basically picked her pocket and it was over out of nowhere. Very impressive play by Potomac. Well, we did see a couple of those uh, in the Minnesota Ohio State game. Yeah. So. You just like to see it more often, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I will say Tyler Sheehy had a great Big Ten tournament. I don't think we talked about that really at all, but he had a phenomenal tournament, I think, for Minnesota. And he's he's going to be a good one. He's only six months younger than Hudson Fashing, and you know he's just getting started at the U. Well, any other thoughts on this season as we wrap it up here, guys? I mean, obviously, uh, obviously inconsistent is kind of the key word of the year, but. Uh, any other final thoughts, Hammy? On are you just looking forward to the next year already? I mean, that's pretty much all we can do at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think that we'll have, um, you know, I think we'll have better depth up front next year. I think that um, you know, from a scoring perspective, um, if, if Pitlick and Middlestead come in, you know, I mean, I think that that'll be of value. Uh, I think that you know, 
losing fashing hurts, but I think I expect, you know, pretty much everybody to be back. Um, defensively, you know, we, we'll bring in a couple talented young guys that, you know, are going to probably have to learn on the fly. They'll probably get a lot of ice time, but, you know, increasing that competition level. And I think some of the, some of the returning guys will improve. Um, and, you know, I think the great thing that we have to count on is Shearhorn has proved himself to be a good goalie of the future, you know, and, and that's something that you really, that's the one thing that you always want to feel confident about when you're going to a season is that you have a good goalie, and, and we definitely have that. So, um, you know, I think the interesting thing in the off season will be what's going to happen with the coaching situation, um, simply because, you know, whoever they bring for the athletic director, you know, are they going to want to, add any more years to Lucia's deal. I, I'd be surprised if that happened. And um, it's pretty uh, atypical to have a, a coach going into a year kind of a lame duck. So um, that, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, to me, that's the number one thing to look at this offseason is, you know, really what happens with that, if anything does happen at all. Well, I got the impression from Lucia on Monday night on his radio show that he definitely wants to be back, and he's probably looking for at least a couple more years on his contract. Well, I mean, of course, he wants that, but at, at the end of the day, yeah. it's he's not the one creating the contract and making the offer, you know. And so, no, I, um, I guess I'm just saying he's. I mean, he's not looking to to walk away himself yet. I mean, a lot of people thought that he may want to try to, you know, eh, I think I'm done with all this. Maybe try to move on, but it sounds like he's still in the game uh, himself. Well, I mean, I'm sure he is. I, I'm not. I'm not questioning his, you know, dedication to the program and wanting to win or anything like that. But uh, it's just a matter of, you know, are the results there to the level that you know whoever's mm-hmm. going to be coming in, you know, and I, if it's going to be an insider already there or somebody that's, you know, being brought in from the outside. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what that decision is going to be. Viggs, any final thoughts? Uh, just an interesting year for development. I thought that Steve Johnson um, grew a lot this season. I thought Jake I Bischoff grew a lot this season. Uh, I assume both those guys will be back next year leading uh, the defenseman. I thought they handled Sadek pretty well over the season, getting him games and allowing him to develop. I know some people wanted to see him in the lineup every night, but I think <laughs> as we're seeing with some of these uh, early departures that they're going to need all those guys back next year playing because um, they're going to need depth at defense. Uh, I think this year's team was, was pretty lucky avoiding injury. Uh, we just had a couple broken bones, I think during the season. So I think that speaks well to, to the work that they're doing, preparing themselves and it's a young team. So another year of development and weight training is going to be huge for these guys. And I think with recruiting, you know, they're going to start doing the facility stuff here in two weeks and so that's going to be a, a big plus for uh, Minnesota as a recruiting tool. You know, they're going to start with uh, the locker room and kind of the, the team amenities like a lounge and nutrition stuff available right there. And then next year you'll see that new weight room put into place. Definitely something for the players to look forward to. I know that the, the facilities have been kind of a sore subject for Lucia for a while, and uh, at least it's starting. And that's a – Something positive, I'll tell you that. And the money's there to do it too. Yeah. So that's that's a plus. I think you know a lot of stuff that came out in the City Pages article where people don't like Don Lucia, don't like that he did the fundraiser for Notre Dame at his house. Well, part of the reason he did that was to learn how to do it. And they've 
they've been successful raising some money for some of these amenities that they want to put into the arena. Yes, I would agree. Well, before we close it down, obviously we had quite a bit of a tragedy happen at the WCHA uh, Final Five this weekend when uh, Butch, was it Butch Musso? I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he was ready, getting ready to ref a game. They just come out for warm-ups. The warm-ups, the team's done all that. As the teams are leaving, he decided to do another lap, skating backwards, had his hands in his pocket, and he took a stumble and cracked his head on the ice. And unfortunately, he's been in critical condition ever since then. So uh, uh, there's a website out there you can donate to his family because it's, it's just not looking good for him, and it, obviously quite the tragedy. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, Saturday night, that was the first thing we saw on all the refs. They were all wearing helmets during warm-ups, whereas before they were never wearing helmets. Um, so it just goes to show it's just things can change real quickly, and there's been a lot of support. I mean, I think it's been over $10,000 has been raised for his family so far. I tweeted out some links of how you can donate if you want, but uh, hopefully he'll get better soon, but hopefully he, he comes back because that, that is quite the tragedy. It's definitely something you never want to see happen. It's agreed. Yeah, it's a it's it's a bad deal. I, I I guess I never really noticed myself that the refs, you know, never wore helmets in warm ups. I mean, I guess they just never felt they needed to. But uh, like you say, all it takes is one little trip, and you don't get your hands down to protect yourself. And you know, I mean, he's in critical condition. They've had they've had to medically induce him into a coma, um, and and to drill holes in his head to take the pressure off. So it's a it's a very serious deal. So. uh Get better, Butch. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get to see you back and back on the ice next season. Who knows? It's just it's just kind of a sad deal. So if you see Lynx out there, get out there and support his family because uh, he probably needs it right now. Probably needs it. So, All right. Well, that's going to do it, guys. Obviously, we're done for the season. Um, we'll be back probably somewhere around October or so and uh, start previewing the next season. Well, by then, we should know you know, who's coming to the team by then. Um, obviously we'll keep you updated throughout the year. And obviously Hammy, follow him at Hammy hockey on Twitter. He'll keep you updated. Vigo, E Vigo on Twitter. Vigo's writing articles for GPL, you know, off and on here. And in the off season, obviously you just had the, uh, the ticket scan article today. So make sure you check that out. Uh, good season guys, at least for the podcast. Yeah, that was great to have a sponsor, and uh, it certainly was enjoyable, even if the product on the ice wasn't to the standards that we all expect. Well, it allows us to go on rants and, you know, get pissed off and have an explicit podcast. I mean, Yes, word. <laughs> Which it will be tonight. All right, well, that's going to do it. You know, like I said, we'll be back next fall, and uh, hopefully we'll have a sponsor again then. We'll just have to wait and see let me tell you, we appreciate all of you uh, tuning in, and uh, especially those of you who listen to us live every week. It's been kind of crazy. So. We'll see you again next year, folks. 